Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Beginning back in February, the beginning of February, Pastor Randall began to do a series entitled Doing Community. And in that series, and in this series that he's in, um, he's leading us through the numerous times in the Bible where it states two words, the two words being one and other. And when you look those two words up in the scriptures, you will see that most often it is prefaced by a specific command. And the second week in February, Pastor Randall talked about pray for one another. Then last Sunday, it was submit to one another. Today, it will be serve one another. Next week, it will be forgive one another. And the week following, spur on one another. And you have to keep coming to find out what the next ones are. (laughs) So today, we want to talk about serving one another and what Susan shared by the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing that word to us. It's exactly what this is all about. Now, whenever we're given a directive from the Word of God regarding our treatment of one another, it's always, always, always wise to check with the master of relationships, Jesus himself. How did he do community? As he prayed, as he submitted, as he served others. And so he left us an example that we would follow in his steps. 1 Peter chapter 2.21, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now, I don't know what kind of a picture you have in your mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. But a couple weeks ago, Pastor Randall put one up of his favorite. And it's Jesus laughing. I wanted to put this up today because this has been one that I have burned into my mind. How does God see us? Is he mad at me? Is he always disgusted with me? Because I don't always do the right thing? No. And I have come to realize that according to Psalm 18, it talks there about, He rescued me because He delighted in me. In Zephaniah 3.17 it says, He takes great delight in you. He quiets you with His love. He rejoices over you with singing. So listen, folks. If you've got this idea that God is always mad at you, get rid of it. 
delete it because that's not true. Fact is, God is so pleased with you and so delighted in you. When you gave your heart to Jesus, he put his righteousness in you and he took your sin and it is gone. And now filled with the righteousness of God, you are the apple of his eye. You're the one he truly has fallen in love with. And he will go to all ends in order to help you, to protect you, to lead you, to do everything necessary to bring you into victory. Because Jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose again and ascended into heaven. And send his Holy Spirit. And someday is coming back for us bodily. Listen folks. He is the one. Who will always, always, always. Lead you toward victory. Always toward victory. No matter how dark it may look. You are always being led toward victory. So right now today. At the very outset of this, we are following after the example of one who has achieved victory so that we can also walk in victory, live in victory, experience victory. That's what's before us today. That example went on to include what only Jesus could do. And in Matthew 20, verse 28, Jesus the servant, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Only Jesus could have done that. Even though there have been persons who have given their life for somebody else, nobody could ever give their life to pay for the sins of the whole world. A ransom for many. Chuck Swindoll said, Christians are to be servants of God and people, but most of us approach business and work and life in general with the attitude, what can I get rather than what can I give? And when we serve, we think first of the one we are trying to serve. For example, an employee who serves honestly in his work honors God and deepens his value as an employee. On the other hand, the self-serving employee will seldom be valued in any company. So folks, everything that we are talking about here today isn't just about church. This is involving every area of your life and mine. And that's why Jesus said, I've set you an example that you can follow in my steps wherever he went, he represented the Father. Wherever he went, he walked in victory. Wherever he went, he said, I am the light of the world. Did you know he says, you are the light of the world. Not you're like the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You're also the salt of the earth. Not you're like salt. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, it's worthless. Listen, folks, God has a plan for your life, and he's never given up on you yet. Never will. 
never will. No matter how you feel, you're still on the road to victory. Did you ever wonder how Jesus got along with his chosen 12 disciples when he was trying to show them and teach them what kingdom living was all about and what it was like? Do you ever wonder what that was like? Here's a little bit of a taste. In Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter 9, We have the verses up there that I'm going to get to, but let me just back up a little bit before that and see what was happening in their experience. You see, Jesus had just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. (laughs) His disciples were trying to minister to a fellow in need. A dad brought his son who was who had an evil spirit actually Jesus identified it as deaf and mute they tried to cast this spirit out and they couldn't and then they had to suffer the humiliation of not being able to do that plus they listened to Jesus when he said oh unbelieving generation How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. That must have been hard to take. And then Jesus goes on and he delivers that young fellow from those evil spirits. Now, following that, (laughs) after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive this out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. So there was a teaching lesson right there. Then they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were, listen, because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. How many teachers here would appreciate the next part? But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. (laughs) Wow! Now, get the picture here. Get the picture. Here is Jesus, the Son of God. He is putting all of his interest and effort into 12 chosen disciples. He is trying to teach them about kingdom living. He's trying to show them how to do it. And he spent a teaching time with them. Then they head on to Capernaum. They came to Capernaum. When Jesus was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? Now, isn't that a godly disciple having an argument with one another? And
And what were they arguing about? They kept quiet because on the way they had been arguing about who was the greatest. And then sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and he said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. It just seemed that whenever they turned around, they on one hand were acting so human. They were rubbing shoulders with the Son of God, the Son of Man. And they just couldn't seem to get it together. Have you ever felt like that? No matter how hard you try, you can't seem to get it together. Now the enemy would love for you to think you are a loser. But that's not the opinion of the Son of God, your Savior. You are a winner because he who won lives in you and therefore you win because he won. And that's a tremendous foundation to build on. Paul picked up this serve one another directive in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Now, as you can see that up there, you need to know a little bit of background. Paul was seeking to address the Jewish Christians in Galatia who were struggling with their dual identity. Did you ever think of how the Jewish people are suddenly supposed to put their faith in God alone, in Christ alone? Where all the time before that, they had to do this, do this, do this, all these laws to keep, do this, do this. And now, for by grace you're saved through faith. Not by works, lest any man should boast. Faith alone. Wow. They were having a hard time. The people in Galatia were the same way. Their Jewishness encouraged them to be strict followers of the law. But their newfound faith in Jesus invited them to celebrate freedom from the law in Christ. And this controversy tore, tore at the early church. And Paul had to actually say to them in verse 15 of Galatians, If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So he said, serve one another in love. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. You know what? People haven't changed. We all have this propensity to not do it right. And especially in relationships with others. Some of you may be struggling right now in a relationship. Who's to blame? Who's going to bow their knee first? I once heard a story of two mountain goats One was coming down the mountain and the other one was going up. Now you would think that goats would not have much sense. But these two goats had a whole lot of sense. 
You see, the path to go up or down was very, very narrow. And only one goat width. So the two goats come to each other. One's going up, one's going down. Now you put this in your relationship. Somebody has to give in. You know, one of the goats knows and the other goat knows somebody's got to give in. So one goat kneels down and lays down. And the other goat goes over top and they both pass safely. No goat will ever get me like that. (laughs) Careful. Even goats understand how to humble oneself. John Hagee said, The measure of a man's greatness is not the number of servants he has, but the number of people he serves. As another author wrote these words, A person's most useful asset is not a head full of knowledge, but a heart full of love, an ear ready to listen, and a hand willing to help others. Paul passed on this insightful instruction on how to serve in Ephesians 6, 7, serve wholeheartedly as if serving the Lord and not people. If it's necessary to stoop down in order to keep peace, it might be the thing to do. Martin Luther King Jr., he said, anybody can be great because Anybody can serve. Anybody can serve. Servanthood is the path to greatness. Tony Evans said, Servanthood is the willingness to humble oneself and to act for the benefit of another in the name of Christ. It's the attitude that wants to help somebody else get further because of the assistance you provided in some area. Now today, we have two people who are about to fly out tomorrow to El Salvador to do this very thing. I'm going to call Rebecca Ross and Jared Collinson to come forward. I'm going to call some of the elders and missions team. You come forward as well. And... uh, We want to pray over Rebecca and Jared. Come on, right up in here. That's great. We want to pray over them this morning before they leave to go to El Salvador tomorrow. And uh, you see, what they're trying to do to help somebody else get further because because of the assistance they provided in some area. Do you know whenever any one of you have gone on a missions trip, or anyone have served or chosen to serve in areas right here at home. 
This is called servanthood. And even though we're praying over Jared and Rebecca this morning, your place of service is just as important. But today, we're going to ask them a couple of questions. I'll give you this so you can respond, okay? What will be your sports ministry involvement for the two weeks when you reach El Salvador, and what will be your target audience that you're expecting to work with? Um, So we are actually going to do a sports ministry mainly. Uh, We're doing ministry as well in other areas. Um, But for the the sports ministry, we're doing uh, what we call a kids game. So we'll have about 100 kids, um, and basically we go into their schools um, and just kind of play games with them and uh, show God's love and uh, teach them as well at the very end. Uh, We also do a ministry where uh, we do a feeding center as well as we do a neighborhood walk. So we actually gift them um, with care packages and just uh, spread God's word that way as well. And uh, we are specifically looking at um, teens, um, kids, males, and families as well. Uh, We do do baseball with them very heavily. a big sport down there, so we have a lot of baseball gloves and uh, baseballs that we're going to be bringing as well. Great. How can we specifically pray for you? Um, We just pray that uh, God will lead us as we serve him in El Salvador, uh, that we'll touch the hearts of the families and people there uh, with his love, and uh, just pray that God will protect us and uh, make us be there safely as well. Great. Pat, would you like to pray over? Father, we just thank you for those who are willing to serve. And we just ask, Father, for your hand of protection over them Mm -hmm. first, Lord. We pray that you will order their steps, that there will be no glitches in travel, Mm -hmm. uh, no glitches in the luggage that they're taking along, um, getting lost, Father, and particularly the the tools that they need for um, administering this uh, sports camp type thing. And, And, Father, I just ask... Your protection, your leading, I ask for divine appointments. I ask for softened hearts. Mm. And, Lord, that um, their light will be uh, will shine, and not just while they're there, Father, but they'll leave behind the fragrance Amen. of your Amen. presence. And uh, that children's hearts, young people's hearts, would be touched with a hunger for you, Lord. Mm. Uh, may it not just be a one-time thing, but, Father, may these children and young people, whoever has been touched by this ministry, Lord, I pray that it will be lasting. Amen. And it will create with that, that the salt will make, uh, that they have or spread will bring Mm. um, a thirstiness for you. Amen. And we just uh, thank you that the blood of Jesus covers them and that you order their every step in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pat. Thanks. Thanks so much. We thought it was most fitting today that this would be an opportunity to pray over these dear people before they head off tomorrow. And especially since we are dealing with this whole matter of servanthood. Now what I've done, I've just given you one quote here. Servanthood is the willingness to humble oneself and act for the benefit of another in the name of Christ. It's the attitude that wants to help somebody else to get further because of the assistance you provided in some area. There's another quote by Tony Evans. Every Christian has been called into the family of God. 
to be a facilitator for the benefit of another. And thus in doing that, they fulfill the very purpose for being because every believer has been saved to serve. Now this morning, we want to give you a 10-minute taste of what is available to you on Right Now Media, the gift from the church to each of you who sign up for it. And if you go on your computers, you could pull up information and expertise such as we are about to listen to. This is the sample of the quality speakers and teachers that is at your fingertips now online. Dr. Tony Evans, senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas for over 42 years. He's witnessed its growth from 10 people to in 1976 to now over 10,000. He is the first African-American to graduate with a doctoral degree from Dallas Theological Seminary. He holds the rare honor of serving as chaplain of the NBA Dallas Mavericks for over 30 years. And he's also the former chaplain of the Dallas Cowboys. Would you listen to him now and watch for the next 10 minutes his take on servanthood? Full service stations have become very difficult to find. Everything almost today is self-service. You go and you take care of it yourself. Full service, where they do the windshield and check the tires and check the oil, where you sit in your car because they're there to serve you, it's kind of rough to find. Full service stations have become far between. Full service Christians are hard to find. Most come because they want to be served, want to be blessed, want to be helped, want to be encouraged, want to be counseled. They want to be served. Unfortunately, often full service churches are hard to find, where they exist to bless others and only to be blessed. We live in a day of celebrities, stars. We live in a day of the, the red carpet. We live in a day when people want the autographs of stars. People want to be a celebrity or chase a celebrity or group, be a groupie of a celebrity. But in God's economy, in God's kingdom, God would say, don't seek the autographs of celebrities, seek the autographs of servants. The disciples were arguing one day who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Who was going to be numero uno, number one in the kingdom. Jesus had to explain to them in Mark chapter 10, the greatest among you will be your servant. That greatness in God's kingdom comes through servanthood, not celebrity ship. 
Today, I want to look at serve one another. Because the thing that would mark that we really understand who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do would be our servanthood, not our celebrityship. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, the Apostle Paul writes, For you are called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. What is serving? What does it mean? Service or servanthood is the willingness to humble oneself and act for the benefit of another in the name of Christ. Servanthood is to humble oneself and act for the benefit of someone other than you in the name of Christ. It's an attitude followed by an action that wants to better or facilitate the improvement of the condition of another. You become a servant when you're able to come alongside and assist somebody outside of you in some area where that assistance will improve them spiritually or improve them circumstantially, but you want to better their situation to whatever degree you can. That is servanthood. It is this attitude that wants to help somebody else get further because of the assistance you provided in some area. When we perform weddings, I typically go in and I pray with the bride. And this bride has bridesmaids. These are other ladies who are close to her who are making sure that everything is just right, that the dress is right, that the veil is right, that the makeup is right. Because when the bride walks down the aisle, they want to make sure she is walking down in all of her glory. And so she's surrounded by these bridesmaids who, who function to a degree as servants to make sure that she looks really good. Jesus Christ wants to look really good. And what makes him look good are the servants who come alongside to take who he is and embellish it for others to see. And that's servanthood. And if you were called to Christ, as I hope all have been, because you have accepted him as your personal sin bearer, then you'd be called to serve. The reason why God created the church is to provide a family context for your servanthood. Unfortunately today, most people come like turkeys and they waddle in. I don't know if you've ever been to a turkey farm, but that's mass waddling. And all they're concerned about is what you're going to feed them. They waddle and eat, waddle and eat. Waddle and eat. 
on Sunday folk waddle in the church so they can get some spiritual food and then they waddle back out. You ever seen a turkey try to fly? It ain't going nowhere and it's not going very far because all it does is eat and get fat because it's not there for any other purpose. God has called you in to the family of God not to waddle in and waddle out. He's called you to be a servant. Now, you can't serve everyone. I can't serve everyone because we're limited in our humanity, but all can serve someone. See, because if everybody's a servant, everybody gets served, including the servant. He says, I want you to serve one another. Your appliances at home in your kitchen are your servants. The question of the refrigerator is what do you want to eat, not what does it want to freeze. The question of the stove is what do you want cooked, not what do I want to make hot. Your appliances are your servants. They're there to facilitate your hunger. So it is, every Christian has been called into the family of God to be a facilitator for the benefit of another And thus, in doing that, fulfill your very purpose for being. Because every believer has been saved to serve. By grace have you been saved, through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But then Ephesians 2, 10 says, For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he hath created beforehand, that we might walk in them. He's created opportunities to serve. And he's called that a good work. So the question is why does serving come, become so difficult for many, if not most Christians? Why are most Christians only concerned about being blessed and not that concerned about being a blessing? Why is it only about three, me, myself, and I? What is it that limits service so that kingdom work doesn't get done, people are not assisted, cared for, or valued? What is it that limits the servant spirit that should mark kingdom people? And it's in the verse. It's in the verse. Notice what he says in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You see, in order to be a fired up servant, you have to know freedom. He connects freedom to a willingness to serve. In other words, if you don't know freedom, you might not be willing to serve. Or if you have gotten so used to freedom, you might forget to serve. And it dawned on me, that's why Jesus is having trouble finding servants. We have forgotten what it has been like to be made free. Freedom. Let me repeat. 
In order to be a fired up servant, you have to know freedom. If you don't know freedom, you might not be willing to serve, or if you have gotten so used to freedom, you might forget to serve. Sinners have been set free to serve. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Satan would love to make you believe that he still has you bound and unable to serve. So don't forget that Christ sets us free to be and no longer in jail. He's set free from the eternal jail called hell, and there it would be without God. You're set free from anything that is attempting to hold you hostage, mess up your thinking, make you feel like a loser and defeated without hope and bound. You're set free so that you can become what you were created to be. You're set free so that you would no longer be held hostage by that which is unauthorized to hold you. You're set free to serve. Now, dear people, we have many awesome servants here at Wilmot Center. I want you to beware. Beware are two things. First of all, beware, and secondly, be assured. Beware, did you know that the enemy does not like you to be a servant of Jesus at home or here or at work or at school or anywhere? In 1 Peter, it talks about be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Have you ever wondered why it's always difficult to serve when you're coming to church? Why worship teams, it's difficult to put things together in the middle of the week. Why is it difficult, teachers, for you to try and get things ready for your class? Why is it hard for you just to get to church? You know, Jesus made a statement that sounds a little bit rough, but he said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be Be as a serpent, wise as a serpent, and harmless as a dove. That sounds very cruel. But yet, he, not, he says you are his sheep. And a sheep is totally dependent on the shepherd. So he sends you out as sheep among wolves, not for the wolves to destroy you, but for you to experience the care, the protection, the provision of the shepherd. Be assured, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Have you been trying to fight this on your own? Have you been trying to carry out this matter of servanthood on your own? You, dear children, it says in 1 John 4, 4, are from God and have overcome him because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Be careful that you think you can do it on your own. It won't work. Without me, you can do nothing, Jesus said in John 15. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, 
Because God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I wanted to give you a picture of the kind of servant hearts we have here today at Wilmot Center. Servants at Wilmot Center just serving downstairs each Sunday. We have the nursery team. We have the registration desk operator. We have hall monitors. We have teachers, helpers, alpha youth leaders, worship team down there, sound and video operator. Do you know the average attendance down there in February was 84? You servants, they're down there. They don't even hear us right now unless they've got the TV on and they're listening. But I want them to know Jesus says, thank you. Thank you. Now that's just on the next level. What about what's happening here? We have the worship team. We have the PowerPoint operator, the video streaming operator, soundboard operator. We have the hospitality coordinator. We have the greeters team. We have the welcome desk team, coffee hosts, ushers team, ministry team, parking attendants, chair stackers. Oh, by the way, (laughs) after the service, you servants, we need all the chairs stacked, but we have to have eight tables with seven around a table. Could you do that for us after? Do you know this so helps our custodian? And whenever you see chairs being stacked, are you avoiding that or would you help? I know they're heavy, but believe me, if you do it all by yourself, it's really heavy. Many hands make light work after the service. So then, not only chair stackers, but snow and ice removal. Thanks, Dan. Bernie, where are you, Bernie? There's Bernie. My goodness, these past two or three weeks have been unbelievable. You know all about it. But these are, listen, all these people right there are on duty every week. Now, I didn't put the numbers beside all that, but you can figure that out. That's just that. Now, here's something else. If we go on, we have the elders team, we have the missions team, we have the finance team, the tellers team, the maintenance team, hospitality team, decorating team, seniors ministry team, intercessors team, quizzing team, ladies ministry team, men's ministry team, alpha marriage team, youth ministry, junior, senior, next generation. We've got life group, the leaders, the coaches, the hosts, child care, the Wednesday night children's activate. Folks, that's happening all the time. Are you coming to church just to get or to give? There's a bunch of people that are coming to give. And Jesus says, thank you. We say, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Do you know what? When the doors open, it doesn't just happen. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes in order to lift up the name of Jesus and to serve one another.
Here's a question. And Jesus asks, as my servant, are you thriving or are you barely surviving? Just come. I don't know if you've ever experienced the loving embrace of your Heavenly Father. But dear people, to know that you are forgiven, it's like a load has lifted off of you. To know when you've blown it and you know he still loves you, it brings the smile back. To know what it is like to help somebody else gain a position that they were trying to reach, but we reach down and we help them up, not because we are better, but because we want them to experience what we know and live for. Worship team, as you come forward, word of God says, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I don't know which picture represented you this morning. I do know that I look out over a congregation of precious servants. You each have a story. We love you dearly. But our love for you is like that in comparison to Jesus' love for you. And yet, by the grace of God and by the Holy Spirit, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And so we attempt to reach out as you attempt to reach out to others. And together, we make up the family of God here at Wilmot Center Missionary Church. I'm so glad I'm a part of this family of God. I'm so glad you're my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I'm so glad that God has a plan for your life just as he has a plan for mine. Mine is I'm going to remain fresh and green and bear fruit my old age. Your plan is stay young. <laughs> Bless the Lord. He has our best in store, our best in mind. And he just said, follow me. I've left you an example. Just follow in my steps and serve one another 
off. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.